We built everything around one simple premise. Intrinsic motivation is 10 times more powerful than extrinsic motivation. If large corporations could frame their innovation efforts as solving big problems profitably, then the world would be a better place. When we do work that we think is significant and meaningful and worthwhile, we stretch, we step outside of our comfort zones, we take risks, we face challenges. Hello, Milan. Hi, Beth. It's good to see you again. No, likewise. Good to see you. <laughs> um, I am really pleased that you're here with me today because I have... Am, your story has really, really inspired me a number of times when we've been working together with uh, uh, about four different companies we've been working with and together. And um, I would just like you to sort of tell us um, what you're doing, how you got into it, and where you are with it today and where it's going, what's going sure. to happen. Sure. Look, my, my pleasure. And Beth, thank you for having me and inviting me. It's, it's uh, always a pleasure talking to you and uh, being involved in the things that you do. Um, okay, so uh, the company that uh, I founded, co-founded, is TIL Ventures. Um, and up until a few years ago, all we did was one thing, which was a program called the Intrapreneur Lab. So entrepreneur, but with an I. Official description of the Intrapreneur Lab, it's a corporate innovation accelerator to help large corporations develop profitable new products, services, business lines that open up new markets. Um, the more plain spoken version of that is that if you work for a big company and you have an idea which can make lots of money for the company and in some way make the world better through creating something new, then the Entrepreneur Lab tries to help you make that happen. We had very, very humble beginnings, and if it's of interest, I can tell you a little Absolutely. bit about Absolutely, I'd love to hear the story. But Entrepreneur Lab is now, you know, very well established. You know, we've we are used by twenty of the Fortune one hundred, uh, most strategically by companies like Barclays, Disney, BMW. Um, we have uh, run twelve cohorts of the lab all over the world, um, in partnership with business schools in the U.S., Cornell, University of Michigan. In, Asia, INSEAD in Singapore, in Mumbai, in the UK, in collaboration with Sci Business School, Oxford. Um, we have uh, incubated over a hundred corporate ventures or intrapreneurial ventures, many of which have been spectacular failures, um, <laughs> but, uh, but a handful have done, have done quite well. 16 of them have been invested in by their own corporations. Uh, five are currently in market, generating well over 100 million of revenue for their corporations, which is the wonderful thing about innovating through a large corporation. You, you go big or you go home. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm told that the Entrepreneur Lab um, is you know, relatively unique. Um, and I think, you know, in our space of entrepreneurial innovation, perhaps the, the largest and most established program uh, that exists. Um, so that's, you know, what, what it is. How did this all begin? Um, we, uh, it was cooked up over a dinner conversation in February 2012. So look, you know, a, a brief bit of my background. Um, I was a chartered accountant because my dad told me I had to become a chartered accountant. Um, I did that for a few years, uh, realized that this is not what I wanted to do with my life. I think I was about 25 or 26. 
went traveling to India, as many people do, to kind of sort of reflect and say, what do I want to do with my life? And I came back and all I really came back with was a sense of, I, I want to help people fulfill their potential. And that's always been a really uh, important part of my life. Um, and so I had the opportunity to join a very small corporate training company. When I say small, it was one person uh, who said to me, you know, why don't you join me? I'll give you a bit of equity. Um, but no salary and go find your own clients. Um, so, so I did that. And, and, and it was, but it was, it was phenomenal because I, I worked with him for a couple of years and, and helped him grow that you know, into you know, a much larger um, uh, company. And I really felt that I learned more in two and a half years being an entrepreneur than I did in 10 years working in a corporate environment. Um, but I also felt that I was, this wasn't like it for me, you know, it felt like a stepping stone, but this, you know, I felt like I was almost doing someone else's life's work and didn't really know what my life's work was. I was and this is now, I'm about 30 years old, 30, 31. Um, and then I had a dinner conversation. My wife works for DFID, the UK Department for International Development. Uh, so the sort of equivalent in the US is USAID. Um, a friend of mine works at Accenture. And we were talking about the, uh, we were having dinner, uh, in February 2012, and they were talking, I was listening quietly, about this idea of, of the large societal issues of our time being business opportunities in disguise, uh, the future of energy, the future of mobility, how do you bring banking to those who don't have it, um, and that if large corporations could frame their innovation effort at solving big problems profitably, then the world would be a better place, and we need more brilliant ideas coming out of these large corporations. And I, I was listening quietly, and the um, light bulb that went off in my mind is I said in my experience brilliant ideas come from brilliant people uh, and I don't think that we're born brilliant I think we become so through our life experiences when we take risks and face challenges and step outside of our comfort zones building things that we believe in uh, we realize that we could do things that we never thought were possible I mean that had been my experience in this couple of years of being an entrepreneur and you know, everyone who I'd ever known that had created anything worthwhile it had been their experience um, and you know, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, I'm a big fan of money. You know, we should all be successful, have the car that we want, the house that we want. Um, but what I'd seen working with people, and I've seen it in myself, is that when we do work that we think is significant and meaningful and worthwhile, we stretch, we step outside of our comfort zones, we take risks, we face challenges, and we don't just do significant meaningful work in the process we become significant meaningful people and it was that interplay between the work that I do and the person that I become uh, that was really turning my mind and so I blurted out over the dinner table in February 2012 we should create this thing this program um, called the Intrapreneur Lab I didn't have the name of it at the time and I, you know let's just take people from large corporations with early stage ideas that can make money in a way which makes things better um, and then run it just like a startup accelerator, uh, but for people who are full-time employees. So we'll take them away for some intensives, we'll partner with business schools, we'll bring in a fac faculty of world-class mentors and subject matter experts and pitch coaches, um, <laughs> and, um, and then they'll still have to work on their day jobs. So they can do this perhaps, say, 20% of their time over a three-month period. And at the end of three months, they pitch, uh, not to a VC, but they pitch to their own C-suite, who then say, right, you know, if we like it, if it's a go or a no-go. If it's a go, here's money and resources. If it's a no-go, then fine, the idea dies. But at least we've taken a group of people who know how to build something from nothing, driven by a sense of purpose. And I think the more people like that who ultimately rise up to lead these large corporations, the better we'll all be. 
So that was the idea. Um, my friend from Accenture and my, my wife uh, looked at me blankly and said, nice idea, and carried on the dinner conversation. Uh, but for me, <laughs> it was an idea that wouldn't let me go, and it took you know, 18 months, quite frankly, about 25 miracles all had to happen in the right order. <laughs> uh, and we ran the first lab in um, October 2013. Uh, in, got, in London? In, in, in London, well, in, in Oxford. Um, Cyber School supported us, Accenture came on as a partner, Barclays, GSK and Novartis sent us teams, and we got a phenomenal outcome with Barclays. Um, so now Barclays have a whole new line of business called Barclays Impact Investing, run by the director of Barclays Impact Investing, Damien Payatakis, who came to that very first lab as a mid-level VP within Barclays with this early stage idea. Um, and three months after that first lab, you know, Barclays could see the promise of this, and they said to me, look, you know, can you run three more in 2014, one in New York, one in Johannesburg, one in the UK? And I said, sure, I've got no idea how we're going to be able to do it, but, you know, we'll, we'll see, see what we can do. And the lab really then just grew from there. And then, you know, 2014, 2015, other organizations started approaching me, said, look, we like the Entrepreneur Lab, but can you do other work for us in this space of innovating into new and unimagined spaces? Um, and that's really where TIL Ventures kind of came into, came into being. Um, and uh, my partner, Dr. Eric Samanis, um, PhD uh, of corporate entrepreneurship, you know, head of frontier innovation at Cornell, uh, was one of the mentors, the subject matter experts uh, in the first few cohorts of the lab. I said to him, Eric, look, how do you feel about joining me full time as a 50-50 partner and uh, help me build out TIL? as a larger organization because you know the World Bank were getting in touch and saying can you do something for us and you know other organizations were saying look you know we like the entrepreneur lab but you know can you help us build our own internal innovation incubator using all these principles um, of connecting people to a sense of purpose tapping into their intrinsic motivation to empower them to act like entrepreneurs to help them build things that they believe in but ultimately create impact in the world and open up a new market for the corporation so that's you know really the work that we've been we've been uh, uh, honored privileged lucky <laughs> to be doing the last few years and so and so where are you right now like what's happening right now in the in the, in the business because we've worked together you and I for about three years yeah. um, with Barclays Disney Pearson and now recently BMW mm. um, and uh, you have a number of other clients out there and you've, you've grown substantially as you just said it started off really really small as an idea and then you've, you've built it into something that's amazing <laughs> and um, so so where are you right now with what you're doing and what is it you want to look forward to yeah sure so we, we um, you know company was, was incorporated in early 2013 we've basically doubled in size every year um, except for last year um, and last year was a real a year of, of um, I mean I, I feel that there are kind of constant inflection points um, but last year was definitely one of them towards the end of last year saying right you know how do we now truly scale what we're doing. Uh, I mean, revenue is important, profit is important, the number of employees is important, but what's really important is, to me is, is the impact that we create. And what are the different ways in which we can do that? Um, so last year, uh, towards the end of last year, it became clear that you know, this n diverse network of mentors and subject matter experts had enabled us to punch above our weight to a faintly ridiculous level. I mean, you know, the types of things that we were doing, you know, sitting in an office with the CEO of BMW uh, UK, you know, and, and you know, the, having the conversation with him, and it was, you know, I, I couldn't have believed that I would be in those situations even a few years ago, getting published in Harvest Review and, and the like. Um, but, so that network 
um, had, was tremendously powerful. But what was also clear is that we needed a core team. We needed a team um, initially of about 10 people um, who just knew how to do what we do. Um, you know, we developed a real sense of a methodology about how do you go from an idea to a venture. Um, how do you, you know, and it, which was f also fundamentally different to what is out there. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, you know, doing, uh, you know, applied design thinking and operating in a lean way. But I think we we created something which was just quite distinct. Right, so that, that's, let's just, for a second, let's just focus on the, the, the this distinction of what you've created, because um, I just have been reading um, a report from EAC Business School called Open Innovation, and it showed, they, they um, researched 44 large multinational firms, and they looked at how they're addressing corporate venturing or, or, or innovation for corporates. And the majority of corporates are looking at looking out externally to their company and uh, looking at how to bring these startups in internally and uh, how, how to integrate sort of these ideas and then how to grow it once they bring these external ideas internally. Right. So yours is about um, low-hanging fruit. It's like um, tapping into <clears throat> the internal um, creativity, awareness, knowledge, and and ability to navigate the internal pol pol political situation and governance, Absolutely. which is a huge issue about for other external open innovation ideas of bringing external in. It's like there's a big clash between you know entrepreneurs and what's happening in terms of in a big corporation, Absolutely. and the ability to communicate with each other and accept and understand how to navigate internally. So in your situation, you're, it, it's something that I have not seen as being very um, uh, focused, uh, me, me, focused on, meaning there aren't very many programs like what you're doing, that the corporates, it's like this sort of lack of awareness that they have jewels of these low-hanging fruit right in, right in their company, and they need to um, basically uh, focus on that first and then look outside or, or maybe do both at the same time, yeah. some hybrid of it. Because uh, um, So what, what's your experience in terms of that? Okay, so, I mean, just that point that you made about, you know, I, I, I don't see these um, two approaches to innovation as being mutually exclusive. You know, work with the broader ecosystem of startups who are out there doing stuff, fantastic. You know, we should do that. Um, cultivate and develop ideas from within, that's also good and we should do that as well. I do feel that um, the market is much more developed in that former space. Of, right. You know, you know, that's where, I mean, I haven't read that report that you're referring to, but um, I've read many like it and there is a huge amount out there about, you know, how to effectively work with startups. Um, principally because most corporations are pretty terrible at it. Right. Um, but in, in our space of intrapreneurship, um, it feels much more nascent. And, uh, and also nascent, but I think there are people who have been very interested in the space, but how many actually are, are able to deliver results at a significant level time after time? Right, and, and, and I think that's, it's the wrong question. I, it might not be the correct question that uh, the corporations are asking. It's like, how can we work with startups? I think the, the question which they've, they've been looking at also, but I don't know that they've been addressing it in a way that's as um, effective as it could, 
as they could look at it, is um, how do we approach innovation? So all, most corporations that I know of want to be um, innovative corporations. They don't want to just have innovative products. They want to have sort of this um, sort of creative, innovative environment for the whole company. Right. But, but looking outside only and trying to sort of superimpose or integrate it internally, for me, is like only part of the equation. And the que question is, how do you become an innovative um, company by, and what you do is you, 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 you identify and foster um, creativity and purpose-driven pe people internally. And so, which is, it's just like when, in, when you're marketing something in the world, it's. Uh, um, much more effective to um, get more and more business from existing customers than it is to go out and try and develop right. a new customer. So it's the same idea for the corporates, in my sure. in my view, is that it's much more um, effective, uh, time-wise, in terms of knowing, you know, each other, your your awareness of what works, what doesn't work, and why it doesn't work, and the, uh, the ability to create if it's internal versus external. So it seems to me, from what I've seen, is that you've tapped into something that is sort of Un, unknown or not 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 appreciated not I don't know it's just it's beginning to with the companies you've been dealing with but I haven't seen this happening no. very much otherwise because we built everything around one simple premise intrinsic motivation is ten times more powerful than extrinsic motivation there you go <laughs> and I did not um, I mean, okay, is it 10 times, 20 times, I don't know, but, but it's significantly more powerful. And there is research and data out there which demonstrates that. Um, but what we did is we built a business model that was premised on that. Um, so if you're in an innovation you know, department or if you're in a senior leadership position at a large corporation, and you think, right, how do I grow into these strategic markets, uh, the, the, the open up these new, new strategic spaces, um, you should be asking yourself if intrinsic motivation is far more powerful than extrinsic motivation, how do I harness the intrinsic motivation of the people who work here in this company? Right. And you have to look at, you have to think about that question deeply. And then you have to build a series of processes um, and an environment that allows people to connect with what motivates them intrinsically. Um, and we understood that. And I think in, a, in an environment, certainly a few years back, and even to this day, where a lot of people are talking about this, but I think what's differentiated us is we executed on it. We said, we, know, we don't believe, we know for sure that if you have a clear sense of where there is an intersection between your passions, your talents and your values, that you can mine that space to discover what it is that, that really um, connects you with a sense of purpose. Like what you are as a human being put on this earth to do. And then if you can figure that out, and you can find some type of ideal or some type of goal which is um, not just about your bonus and your promotion and how much money that you're going to earn, but it's bigger than that. Right. And you can say, right, this is, this is the thing for me that is unique to me because it's a unique expression of the things that I love doing and that I'm good at doing and that are important to me. 
And, and um, I am going to f- dedicate the 10, 12 working hours that I have every day to that. That when you do that, two things happen. One, a tremendous amount of energy and dynamism comes from you. You just realize that you can do amazing things. And things which, all these obstacles and roadblocks that appear in your way, they just don't bother you as much. You're just like, you know what, that's just my to-do list. Rather than things which would paralyze other people. Because you just, you're so inspired by what you are doing. And the second thing is you actually, it's just, you're much more fulfilled. You know, you basically wake up each day. um, Looking forward to going to work. Right. You know, the notion of, of, you know, work being in any way, anything other than energizing and exciting and fulfilling becomes ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it, and so we knew all of these things, you know, and there are many books and reports out there that talk about all of these things. But in the corporate world, it is ignored. Um, and it is, you know, ref- it's seen as being fluffy. Mm-hmm. So let's not let's not talk about stuff like that. You know, we're here to generate 4% incremental growth on our P&L. Yes, ROI, ROI. And, and, that, and, and therefore, you know, and so all, I, all we did is we brought the two together. We said, these things, purpose, working with a sense of elevated intention, unlocking dynamism, gaining fulfillment in your work, can be applied to those types of people can, if they work in that way, can solve big problems that have been unsolvable to date. And so the issue that the corporations really care about, which is how do we create new things in order to kind of drive growth, we can apply this type of thinking to solving those types of problems. Mm. Um, And we can cultivate, we can create a program, a process, a series of um, interventions, an environment that allows people to act like that um, and judge us on our output. Okay, yes, Barclays took a chance, you know, on on me and on us back in 2013 because, you know, and, and likewise with Disney and likewise with Pearson because they were people who believed what I believed and when I talked in this way they said, look, we'll give you a shot. We can't pay you a huge amount of money because you're completely untested, but we'll give you a shot and see what we can do. Um, and we delivered. You know, now there's a hundred million of revenue, and now that's why all these other corporations are saying we don't. A lot of people are saying we don't really understand what you do. Or we don't really understand how you do what you do. Right. But we can see the results. Right. Um, and so that's why, you know, is it low hanging fruit? It's low hanging fruit in the all the for a large corporation. All the resources are there at your disposal. The people are there. Right. And and frankly, they're not there for very long, um, because. You know, I mean, some of the companies that we work with, you know, to get onto their graduate schemes, I mean, there are like, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people that apply for each one of those jobs. And then three years later, 80% of them have left. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem which is just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and, I, and so your program helps solve that problem. Absolutely. Because they retain, when people are inspired and the company supports them in their purpose and their inspiration, they stay. And And there is a real risk that when you start talking about, you know, let's, you know, help people connect to a sense of purpose and, and uh, you know, be intrinsically motivated. They're like, oh, that's the kind of, sure, we'll do that. Go for a one-day workshop, which HR are going to do, <laughs> and then come back and get back to work. Yeah. You know, we're talking about actually live that. Um, and that's what, 
what we've been able to do. Right. And that's really why the work that we're doing is successful. And that's part of, I mean, just what you just described is so well aligned with what my purpose is and what I do with my, my pitch coaching because I my whole purpose is to help as many people as possible. Sure. Um, uh, to, to help as many pe people as possible, do as much good as possible for as many people as possible quickly. And so when I met you, um, it, it, you know, to see someone of like mind mm. who has the same um, focus was really, really, uh, really, really gratifying. Because most of what I do with the com companies, et cetera, is, is I'm, it's about people doing good in the world, whether it's clean tech or biotech, med tech, fintech, ed tech, ad, ag tech, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and you it, take the corporate environment and, and look for um, business uh, ideas and units that can be grown in order to do good, good in the world and make money for the com company. And, and that's the thing, like, because it, it, it's not that different. I mean, all the startups that you work with, I would have thought the major the vast majority, in fact, let me ask you that question. What percentage of the startups that you work with do you feel that the founders are principally, predominantly driven by, I just want to earn loads of money and exit this company. I don't actually care what I'm building. It could be this widget or that widget, I'm just interested in, in getting really, really rich. Almost none. Right, okay. I mean, maybe 5%, <laughs> right. you know, maybe, but yeah. exactly. And how many of them do you think feel that, um, yes, I'm not, I don't want to be poor, I'm, I want to be successful and have material success, but I want to do that because there is this particular product, this technology, which I feel can make things better in it some It matters. Way. It can make a difference. Right. What and percentage of the, the founders that you work with are like Well, 95%. Right. 5% <laughs> is definitely 95%. But and the thing is that some of them, the um, like when I work with um, university researchers and scientists, many of them, this is their life's work and they it really matters and they want to develop it and then bring it out to the market also and commercialize it. Um, but then other st um, entrepreneurs who might not come from their life's work, they, they develop the, the product and the idea and then they want to have that you know, sort of fly in the world, take off and scale, and then they want to go on to the next one. Sure. But it isn't about f just focusing on the money. But the money is not a bad thing. It's like uh, money is an equal exchange of energy. You Absolutely. put something out into the world that's, uh, you know, yeah, right. Yeah, and then, then you get the money, money back. But you're right. The, 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 the idea that, um, which is sort of, you know, I'm, I'm from Silicon Valley originally, from California, and um, the idea that, you know, just everybody's out there just to make the money. I, here in Europe, where I've been living the last six and a half years and working all over Europe, um, th that is not the main focus. And one of the things I like working, um, why I like working here in Europe is because I meet people like you who take that sort of idea of doing good in the world and having, it's, it's what you said about having real, unrealized and unimagined possibilities or something like that is what you said, <laughs> what you said. And for in the corporate world, I, I find that in the uh, entrepreneurial world also, the, the, which I work with all the time, um, there's this combination of values. So it's society across all of Europe has these values that government should help as well as industry, as well as citizens, as well as academia. So it's the idea, I've been working in programs and for organizations that yeah. bring it all together so that everybody can share, not duplicate their effort. Like uh, I work for the European Institute of Innovation and Technology, EIT, in around clean tech, health tech, food, energy, etc. And um, that's they, there's the Europeans put their money where their mouth is. It's like they we believe that this is um, you know 
the betterment of all people is good. There are huge challenges that need to be addressed. And we're going to help industry come into the conversation to meet with academia, to meet with uh, citizens, to make it all help better. And for what you do is you've got industry looking at their 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 worlds of their company and saying who can we put together because that's the thing the people that we that I've coached that you've you've brought me in to coach for these companies Pearson yeah. Disney BMW um, Barclays they they um, what they've done it's not just that they have an idea that's that's amazing and that they get the support from you and your people in order to get there and you you found you've set up the the key people the c-suite people who need to listen to them but they understand how to navigate so they build the team the champions internally to make it happen sure. so that's what you've done on a corporate level and in europe europe does it on a europe-wide level sure. and it's putting its money where where its mouth is in terms of government money also and that's what i see is not happening in Silicon Valley, because in Silicon Valley you can't get government money. It's you're on your own. It's the idea that you know the individual does it all and you're all, you do it all by yourself, which is not true. But um, but there's more balance over here in terms of the support. So what I see is that it the um, there's more of a cons um, a lens here that's more uh, less risk taking in general. But when you do surface surface all of the good ideas the people that come out of it have been supported well enough that they're really really viable yeah. so the ideas that have come out of your um, program the people that I've seen from these different com companies have really viable business ideas that's yeah. why you've had such success yeah. because of the process and this approach that you've set up and um, yeah it's been really really uh, gratifying for me, sure. you know. Also, and, and you, you know, you've added you know a huge amount of value to helping those entrepreneurs um, be able to communicate their ideas really convincingly. You know, I mean, you know, venture capitalists with short attention spans are not massively different to CFOs with short attention spans. Um, you know, you have to be able to capture their imagination by you know telling the story of of what you. Of what you want to build, yeah. No, I think that the, there isn't a huge amount of difference. Um, you know, if, if I look at the corporate world and the entrepreneurial world, sorry, there shouldn't be a huge amount of difference. Um, you know, but there is. You know, if, when you say you know, ninety-five, ninety-eight percent of the founders that you work with are intrinsically motivated and driven by a sense of purpose and clarity. Um, how many corporate leaders could say the same thing? Not C certainly not ninety-five percent. No. Um, corporate leaders and managers underneath them. Absolutely. So it's the thing that what you're doing, which I find is really um, inspiring. Inspiring is that uh, you've you're you're taking um, addressing people who are sort of would might otherwise be buried in the organization yeah. and would be the eighty percent leaving, and right. you, you and you give them an opportunity to find their voice yeah. and then to connect to the people that can actually listen to them, hear them, and make a difference. Yeah, but also uh, the two things. Also um, deploy the phenomenal wealth of resources that sit within their corporation. You know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you, you're scrappy not because it's cool. You're scrappy because you've got no choice. You know, you, you have to be resourceful and do more with less. In a corporation, you've got so much resource at your disposal. The knowledge, the people, the money that is there available to you is significant. 
that's number one. And number two is, you know, you, you said, oh, we, we're able, able to connect people in the middle to those who are at the top and get them to have their voices heard. Often I found that those at the top are actually very supportive, but they've got no um, no mode of execution. They're like, they're, you know, they're not the ones who are actually going to do. Um, they don't have the time or the ability to do that. That's not the role of someone sitting at the C-suite. Their role is to, you know, empower others to do. Um, and so it's less about... Um, connecting the mid-level people with the senior people and the senior people then say, oh, okay, now you have my permission to go, to go do this. I mean, there is an element of that. But it's actually about helping the senior people, um, giving the senior people some way to empower in a very tangible way these mid-level people to say, right, you've got an idea, go make it happen. Right. You know, in a way which is not going to bankrupt the company or going to cause significant you know, harm to the corporation. Right. In a protected, in a stage-gated way. Right in a way that we will teach you how to do this right. and, and help connect you with why you're doing it, um, make you into a team of entrepreneurs, an right. adventure team right. who will go out and do. And a lot of that is, is very similar to what startups do, but a lot of it is different, is unique to the corporate environment, navigating that kind of corporate environment. Right, yeah, absolutely. Being able to, under, you know, there is a skill to that. Um, and when you do that, that's when you when you get results. And, and I honestly see that the groups of people that we work with are actually in these those two camps that you mentioned. Camp number one is the kind of the mid level people who never realise that they could do this, and when they it's opened up to them, almost as saying like, I can never go back to my old way of working. Right. Like, and this is this is all I want to do, and it like you know skyrockets their career. And the second group of people are that younger group who. Um, you know, would otherwise quit, um, and who are often, you know, immensely talented, uh, and you know, capable of doing great things, and in their droves now are leaving these large corporations in a way that they didn't when I went. You know, when I started working 15, 16 years ago, like you didn't. You know, you didn't. Right. You didn't leave after. You know, a year after your graduate placement, and say, I want to join a startup. Right. Um, you know, you stayed. Right. But but, you know, that's. Well, even six. Well, even six and a half years ago, when I first moved to Europe, I moved to the Netherlands first for four years, and now I'm in Spain. But um, there's been a huge sea change of um, accelerators being formed and incubators and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs um, popping up all Absolutely. over, and and communication across uh, internally in different countries and now uh, between countries. That wasn't when I first came. It was sort of nothing much was happening. It was like really the old world sort of thing. And it's just changed so much. And in fact, in this report that Ayese's just um, published, uh, it's like I think 40% of all corporate venturing efforts have started in the last five years. Yes, that's exactly aligned with what I, yeah, I've experienced. That, that, and I Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really... Um, it's been really, really satisfying being in Europe for me at this time and connecting with you and these other entrepreneurs and my scientists and researchers from different universities that I coach um, uh, to see the change um, in people, the, the awareness that uh, there are other 
possibilities out there from their their ideas can actually be realized in the world and in in a way and what I do is I help them articulate and communicate that clearly and what you do is give them the tools and the training and the support and and which includes some of what I do but but in general to give them the ability to then actually create their business and um, understand that they can have an idea and act on it, which in a corporate environment, of course, um, doesn't happen uh, very much. Now, I used to work in uh, banking for a couple of years, and you know, I always felt like it was dying by a thousand cuts because you could never, you know, your ideas and everything. There was just too much that was blocking you mm-hmm. from articulating your ideas and being able to act on them. There was just too too much political thing, too many political things, not enough support for it. And um, in a lot of organizations, or corporates around the world, that still happens. It's like like these people that are leaving, they're not sure. going to stay and die by a thousand cuts. They're going to actually leave much sooner than I would have. In my and that's the point, yes, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's they, exactly. And they are leaving. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, retaining, you know, your key talent um, is so important because you lose so much of your money and your productivity by losing these key talented people. So the fact that you can help these companies retain them like out of these people that have gone through your your program what percentage of them have been staying in their programs do you know yeah well over 90 percent wow wow um you know um and and that's funny because you know you know we've had many more ventures that have not launched than launched um so certainly the ones which have have launched but even the not launched even the not launched ones because what happens is that people realize that they can there is a different way that I can work, right? Um, and you know they take that into their day jobs. Now, so, you know, some people have said, actually, I've realised that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, right? You know, and and actually, it's right for me to leave and, and do that. And that's fantastic, right? Um, others have realised that, um, you know, that this way of working, where, you know, I have an idea and I feel that I can, um, I I know how to be resourceful enough. Um, to be able to pull what I need without asking anyone's permission necessarily and get it to a place where the idea is well developed enough to win support and then, you know, and just you know, know how to play that, you know, navigate the corporate immune system. Right. Um, just, you know, accelerates and turbocharges their career. And I suppose, I mean, there, there probably are a certain number of people who kind of go through, work with us and then say, you know what, I just, that's not for me. I never, yeah. I never want to do that again. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's a minority. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those are the people who just get sort of stuck, you know, in mid-level roles and just, you know, kind of, you know, go work and do their nine to five and, and that's all they do. And, you know, well, a, cor- a corporation is, can, you, you can do that, right. you know, in, in a corporation. And, and some people, you know, that's all they want and, and that's fine. But the problem that corporations are facing is that, um, you know, y- you can only have so many of those people that, you're, that the rest of the co- corporation are going to carry. Um, and if the people who previously, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when, when we were in our, certainly when I was in, working in a large corporation, there was many more people there who um, were operating at a much kind of higher level. If those people now are saying, you know, I'm going to leave, uh, you know, this company is not a place that, where I can do work which fulfills me and crucially I look around and I see all my friends and they are leaving 
you know, that was a difference, right? None of our friends left. No. All of our pa our parents told us, you stay. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, there's no alternative. Right. Whereas everyone is now saying, there's an alternative. Right. Um, and they tweet each other. <laughs> you know? That's right. And, and so... Um, Instagram. Right. So, so, <laughs> so, thing that, so that's why I think there is, there is this kind of change coming. Um, I think we're, we're very much just scratching the surface, you right. know, handful of people in Barclays, in Disney. So how do you scale? This. So that's like, you know, you, like, how do you scale what you're doing? Because I think that the corporates could really, really use much more of what you're doing. For instance, Barclays has, has, has used you and, and, you know, we've worked together repeatedly with Barclays and Pearson with different, different groups, different cohorts um, through the years. But how do you, like, how do you scale? See, it, it, it depends how you define scale. Um, and one of the things that we've done now that I've, um, you know, we've got this larger team, you know, we've set our, our very clear kind of, you know, mission of, uh, you know, we build com ventures, companies, and people that create unimagined impact. And we've got our clear set of values that anyone who works with us, um, either as part of our core team in our network, has got to share these these values um, and then and one of those values is that we have to practice what we preach so if we're going to teach other people to be entrepreneurial we have to be an entrepreneurial place to work and what that means is that people who come and work in our core team you have to be real clear as to what that mission is you've got to live these values and then you've got an enormous amount of freedom to um, to make it happen um, and so they are coming to me with really creative ideas that I hadn't thought of that are on that drive that mission forward. Um, so I mean, some of the things that you know we're about to launch, so I maybe can't talk about in, in so much detail, but you know, working with um, startups who are pre-seed, so company pe people who are who've got corporate jobs and haven't don't yet feel confident enough to leave their corporate job and start up their company. Can we work with people like that and actually then invest in them at a pre at seed level to then give them that confidence to transition out of their corporate in it and into you know their own company? Uh, that was an idea that one of our guys um, you know came up with. And would that company um, be attached to the corporate like a like a spin off an ex external thing or just totally separate or you it don't could know be, it could, could be, be either, either. It right? Could be either. Right. So so why I said that is that so scale to me is not just doing more of what we're doing right okay. now. Right. There is a com an element of doing more than what we're, what we're doing right now. I mean, I feel even with the corporations that we've worked with we're just scratching the surface. I mean, some you know BMW UK is a good example, you know, where you know I feel that you know, in the UK, it's a kind of small enough organ. I mean, it's not a large corporation, but it's it's not a hundred thousand people the way the Barclays is. Um, you know, and we've got buy-in right from senior leadership that actually, you know, give us a couple of years, and we've got a real opportunity to change or you know, influence the culture in that organisation. Others like you know, with Barclays, where you've got what's it, 100, 130,000 people, we're just scratching the surface. So there's much more that can be done within the corporations that we're working with. You know, yes, we're working with, you know, in, a, in some way, shape or form, 20 of the Fortune 100, probably in a really deep strategic way, five or six. You know, that still means at least another 80 <laughs> you know, corporations that we can just even do the work that we're doing right. Uh, doing right now, which is in that innovation space. And then lastly, 
Um, and again, I think this links back to this idea of you know ideas that come from our from our team. You know, it's it's amazing to see um, people kind of now working you know for us and with us who understand that mission, live these values, just coming up with these fantastic ideas. So what one of the, one of um, uh, uh, my team who recently we hired um, came from one of these large corporations, and he just said. Ten of my friends, um, he said, in my corporation, which employs hundreds of thousands of people, you know, I've come across twenty or thirty people that I would call A-game players, people who are just like phenomenal, um, you know. And and he's in his mid twenties, so he's talking about his kind of peer group, people who are just phenomenal, just you know, operate at a different level. Um, uh, a lot of them want to come work at at Till, <laughs> um, but they're also they're not sure. Like I made the jump. But they're not sure, and you know, you know, they're you know, they're kind of being promised that they're going to shoot up their their careers in that corporation, and they will as well. Um, so he said, you know, why don't we create this thing called uh, we'll call it the Entrepreneur Collective, where we'll just we'll tell all these people um, they have they can work for us ten hours a week, um, and maybe we'll pay them, maybe we won't, maybe we'll maybe, and they'll get to go to do, you know, field research in India with a team that's trying to develop a new education offering or they'll get to come out to Hong Kong with us when we're running an entrepreneur lab or, um, or but actually what they'll do is they'll just have the opportunity to work for 10 hours a week with a group of people in a place where they can discover what their purpose is and what their intrinsic motivation is. And we've got them, and this is really just coming up in the last few weeks, you know, we've got 10 people who are saying, like, we're clamoring, saying we'd love to kind of do this. <laughs> now, if we've got, and that's just through one person's kind of personal uh, network. Friends. Now, you know, if, if, if we assume that if, for those 10 people out of 100,000, you know, maybe there's 1,000 people like that right. in a large corporation. Or more, right. I mean, let's just say there's 1,000. Yeah. yeah. And then there's 100 in the Fortune 100. That's 100,000 people. Right. Now, can you imagine having a team... Or a company which had a hundred thousand A game players yeah. working for you, like what could we do? That's amazing. What what impact could could you create? And there's this wonderful kind of like disruption here, where you're going to these corporations who are saying we want to drive innovation, and then we say, right, you know the people who are going to help you drive innovation? It's these people over here who work in these other corporations who don't even work for us. Right. But now there's got to be something in that. There's right. got to be something. Where you know we are able to um, by connecting people to a sense of purpose and intrinsic motivation, get people who work at company A to help drive the innovation efforts for company B in a way which doesn't is not costing anyone any money. Right. Um, right. So there's a fun. There, there is a um, there is something inherent in the way that people think about what motivates people, what motivates employees, um, and how firms and large corporations should be structured, which I think needs to be rethought at a fundamental level. Now, we do not have all the answers, but I certainly feel that we're at the kind of leading edge where we're experimenting with these different models and these different ways. And we are, we always say is um, uh, judge us by our results. Right. Yeah, it's not what we're doing, it's what we're creating and the impact that we're having. Right. Judge us based on that. Right. Um, so, your question was, how do we scale? More of what we're doing right now, more people like this who come up with creative ideas that drive our mission and are live in accordance with our values. 
Um, and I, my sense is that, you know, if, when we have this conversation again in five years' time, like, we see how much change has happened in the last five or six and a half years. Right. In the next five or six and a half years, right. that's going to happen. It could be exponential, right? I think so. Yeah. That's just wonderful, Milan. Thank you so much. I really... Um, you know, we we as I said, I've, we've known each other for about three years, for, and but and I've had opportunities to talk to you, but to, having the opportunity to hear, the, I knew the beginning part and where you are right now, I knew a little bit, but you've expanded dramatically. I mean, it's grown and scaled, and then just what you said about these ideas for scaling, I think that sounds amazing. It's like it's a, it's a new paradigm of how to um, run. Um, run businesses and corporations uh, just in a way that actually I feel needs to happen uh, given all the changes that are happening in the world. And, and so there's a push-pull in the world between uh, like the uh, people who want to have everybody, you know, cooperate and share and and then which means you have to give up and take uh, take on some things you're not really happy with but that you, for the benefit of all you're going to sort of be able to sacrifice something in the short term to get something in the long term and um, and then the people that just want their stuff for theirs and you know sort of stop that sort of change and what you're what you're talking about is um, is about change it's 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 a huge change <laughs> but it's actually an, um, a desire or a need that's been untapped, and you're 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 beginning to tap into it in a way that could actually just um, mushroom and expand and exp and blossom uh, to an a, an extent that uh, sounds really really exciting. And I'm just uh, it sounds amazing because the fact is I you know the people under it's actually people under 35 I've seen if we want to put an age on it mm. that have, have a different experience because I've I've coached over 2,000 teams in the last six and a half years since I've been here in Europe alone and all these different teams um, people under 35 um, have um, a different set of expectations and desires and the th thought that they can actually achieve something differently than people over 35. It's what you said about the old world versus the new world. You know, maybe 35 is not quite the age, but, but um, I found that um, people under 35 are the people that, are, that you're talking about, basically. That can I ask, Beth, um, you know, do you, when you're coaching uh, these founders of, of startups, um, do you see many people who are kind of under the age of 25? That age group as well. I see. Yes, I see. I see. And do you see? A, a, so do you see it like a binary difference? Like people kind of, you know, mid thirties plus, certain type of mindset. Below that, a different type of mindset. Or actually, do you see like the younger that you go, so you go sort of you know, below twenty five, that the mindset is even more different. Yeah, actually, that's true. I mean, below 25 is even more different, I'd yeah. say, because, uh, you know, people in their teens, you know, start businesses. I mean, you yeah. know, uh, the it, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, because um, the man that I've hired to do this whole program with me started his business at 14. He's 22 now. And he has a going business with huge corporate clients and everything. And it's, it's just uh, um it's been, uh, his name, my name is Toby Stewart, and it's Crocodile Films, and it's just like, it's amazing. And the man that I, I how I found Toby was through another client who was just, uh, I was just talking to him, Jonathan Risley, and he's 22, and he's got his company, and he's got his team. Also, they started it as undergraduates, and he's got a new way of um, taking water out of, making water out of thin air. Yeah. And it's, yes, <laughs> yes, actually, yes. And, and that's why I think, 
you know, what, why I think the next five years will be different to the last five years. Yes. Um, you know, because, you know, like Jonathan, who's 22, like he's going to be 27 in five years' time. What's he going to be doing? Then? Yeah. And the people who are coming underneath him are seeing the success that's being had. Um, and, and as a result, are, you know, have different expectations, some of which I think are realistic, some which are unrealistic, but they're changing, they're pushing the boundaries right. of expectation. Right. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, for, you know, if you're a large corporation, that's an opportunity. You know, it's not a threat. It's not a sense of, oh, these young people have got unrealistic expectations and they need to kind of get back in their box and do as they're told. Um, I mean, you can do that, but you, you miss out on a tremendous opportunity. Well, I think it's, it's that sense of urgency that people have, these young people have, is uh, necessary. I mean, we're, in, we're coming into a crisis. I mean, there's a lot of things that are better in the world, but there's many, many things that need to be addressed. Sure. And they, they're the ones that are going to have to deal with all of the problems that we've created and as older adults, and they're younger adults, and they're just coming and facing all of this, and so they have an internal sense of urgency that we may or may not have had at the same age. Mm. We, I think that, um, you know, those of them, those, those young people who are clear, I always, I always um, envy people who are so clear, young, at a young age, about who they were and what they wanted to do in the world. Um, but usually the clarity was, in my generation, was about being a doctor or a lawyer or if you wanted to be an accountant or something like that, um, or banker. But nowadays, they, they have clarity and there's this huge world of opportunity that they can just create and develop themselves and there's like very few limits on it. Absolutely. And that is amazing because those, the, for those people who are, um, have that clarity, they can produce and, and have an impact much younger, much more um, uh, fully and wholly than, um, than, than we were able to at the same age. And, you know, and that's the inherent tension that a large corporation needs to grapple with because a large corporation is a bureaucracy, not you know, because for any other reason than it has to be. You know, whenever you're operating at scale, you know, BMW, you know, making, I mean, in the UK sells 200,000 cars a year you know, globally, I, I don't know, is it two million cars? I mean, you know, to make two million cars a year to an exact standard, um, you know, in a almost flawless way, you know, requires a tremendous, you know, bureaucratic machine with rigorous processes that everyone has to follow. Otherwise, you just simply cannot operate at scale. I mean, God, even we're finding just from going from like, you know, a handful of us to now sort of 10, 15 of us, all the processes that now have to be put in That's place right. just to get to that. Well, whatever you get to 10,000. So, you, you know, those bureaucracies are there for a reason. But we also know that bureaucracy, um, you know, the, the um, necessary byproduct of that is stifling creativity and innovation. So, and when you were in, an, in a world where people are, uh, that you're younger, um, motivated, highly talented workforce are demanding creativity and innovation, and creativity and innovation is a strategic imperative, and you as a corporation want it, but the same hand, on the other hand, you, you've, you've got this, this set of corporate processes and this bureaucracy that you have to have, how do you uh, manage that tension? Um, and how do you create spaces within that bureaucracy to allow this creativity and innovation to be able to be fostered? You know, there are no easy answers there. Um, but I think what I'm heartened by is that there are more and more people thinking deeply about 
how to be able to answer those questions. Right. What can we do? And experimenting. Like, you know, the Entrepreneur Lab was an experiment to see, can it work? The only thing that I would say is that if you experiment based on old existing paradigms, which is in a corporation we're all motivated extrinsically and fluffy talk about purpose and intrinsic motivation is not to be tolerated here. Do that on your own time. Then you are trying to drive a new way of working using an old paradigm of thinking. And that will that will fail. Okay. Um, and I actually think a lot of the innovation efforts where a lot of money and, and energy has been put into it, which have failed, have failed because they're still bound by those old paradigms of thinking about what really drives people and what motivates people. Right. But if you were prepared to embrace those new paradigms um, and think deeply about them and then think, right, how do we now build a process, a method, a space, a, you know, um, a, a way of organising our company that's based on these new paradigms uh, of purpose, of intrinsic motivation, um, then that's really where the exciting space kind of is. Um, and you know the people who are 35, 36 you know it's not going to be long um, you know before they're in C-suite positions I mean there are people who you know I know personally at the the corporations that we work with um, who I think it's not going to be it's probably another five or six years before they rise up into C-suite positions right Um, or at least kind of maybe not global C-suite but certainly senior management positions decision making influence decision making it could even be global C-suite I mean in the political arena we've had like Emmanuel Macron and Justin Trudeau and we've got really young people in in really powerful positions because they've got really ideas and bring a very different energy to it uh, yeah they have a different model they're not relying on the old system they understand it the old system but they've got new ideas about what needs to happen and so, um, I, yeah, I think it could happen more quickly. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Milan. Oh, look, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs>